This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Papas and Olivia Harlan-Decker. Welcome in, everyone. This is Unleashed by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Big fights, big upsets this past weekend in sports. Oh, my gosh, was it crazy. Giannis, you're going to fill us in, right, on the fighting world. That's like your forte. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a blast. Dream come true. Shout out to my buddy Joe Rogan, who got me down on the floor to watch uh, the UFC at MSG. It was incredible. It was electric in there. It was crazy because the UFC card, one of the best in UFC's history, was going up against the Canelo fight. Happened at the same time. The Canelo fight was incredible. He won by KO, obviously, I think in the 11th, I believe. And the card at MSG was incredible. Chandler versus Gaethje was fireworks. They both alluded after the fight to how it was akin to a gladiator fight in the Roman era. When Chandler walked by the press table, he goes, are you not entertained? (laughs) I love it. Like Russell Crowe from Gladiator and Gaethje in his interview. And he said, we were born in the wrong time. We should have been fighting to death in the Coliseum. Absolutely incredible. Usman versus Colby didn't disappoint. It's crazy because Usman, probably the pound for pound best fighter uh, maybe in, maybe ever. Uh, who knows? I mean, the guy wow. just keeps getting better and better. And the crazy thing is the only guy who can compete with him really is Colby Covington. And uh, he's beat him twice now. So that's interesting. But it was really nice to hear him say he was going to take some time off and spend some time with his daughter because... uh you know, he doesn't want to miss any more time because when they fight, they do nine weeks of training and they, oh. I didn't know they, they don't talk to their family or anything. So really fun time. And I had a blast there, had a couple beers, saw Did some people. You? Yeah. I saw some people in the crowd going, where's OHD? Aren't you guys <laughs> always rolling together? We saw you at the garden a couple nights ago. Yeah. I love your show Unleashed. We got some fans in New York <laughs> City, baby. Did you get the Mike's hot chicken again? I did. Or was this way more elevated? <laughs> I got the Mike's Hot Chicken. If by Mike's Hot Chicken, you mean I had four Stellas because I got hammered. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough to do it. By the way, no fights in Madison Square Garden. I thought with that type of energy that there would be some scuffles. But I got to say, classy, classy audience. No skirmishes anywhere. Yeah, it was not like the concert in Houston. I'll say that. Oh, come on. Okay, what celebs did you see? I always like the celeb watching at these fights. Yeah, well, first of all, me, you know, I was yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah. I saw Action Bronson, the rapper, was there. Chuck Zito was there. It's a very MMA. <laughs> MMA okay. celebrities is always like Chuck Zito's there, a couple of Hells Angels. <laughs> there was a, a bunch of other fighters ringside. And I think that's about it. I think all the celebs might have been in Vegas for Canelo. 
Yeah, because remember when I went to Fury Wilder and I had a long list of everyone I saw? It kind of beat your list right there. I'm not going to lie. Your list was that kind of weak. Yeah, but- I think it just starts and ends at Chuck Zito. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you went. I'm glad you had fun. You are our beat reporter for all Fight World storylines. And I am so glad you were there. And I can't wait to ask you a little bit more about Mr. Joe Rogan, who made a lot of headlines this week as well. So we will get to that in a minute. You know, we've reached the halfway point of the NFL season. And honestly, I don't think we're still any closer to finding out who is the best bet to win the Super Bowl. The Cowboys, the Rams, the Bills, all favorites. And they just lost this week right after Merrill Hodge made a great case for Josh Allen and the Bills last week on our show. That was a great listen. If you haven't gone back and listened, make sure you do. But look, it's not over until the fat linemen sing. So there's still a lot of football <laughs> to be played. Do you like that one, Giannis? I just made that up. Do you like that? I did like it. That's why I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Well, your New York football giants are somehow quietly back in the mix in the NFC wild card. Congrats, my friend, on a big win this week. What are you thinking about the Giants? I mean, the NFC is just always hilarious. It's <laughs> it's always up for grabs, and they all got losing records. Usually, it, it's it's it was fun to see. Without Saquon, uh, the Giants played well. The defense, it was really uh, because of the defense that they won, and uh, you know, it was it's just exciting to see, like it is every year, who's going to be the best worst team coming out of the NFC East. So yeah, I mean, uh, now the games have some meaning again. They're in the race. Yeah, so many weird games this week. Congratulations again. Your Giants won. So many upsets. So many low-scoring games. That was weird. So I hope people are betting the unders this weekend because that was the weekend to do it. Looking forward, we have Peter Andrew at the end of the show, as always, and we're going to go over this slate of games. I can't wait for that. I have redemption on the brain because Giannis beat me in our punishment picks, and I'm not letting that happen two weeks in a row. Really pisses me off, Giannis. It really does. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's what makes it so fun, right? That's what makes it so fun. You never know what's going to happen. And you don't have to be an esteemed sports journalist to win money when you gamble. So I just am representing the every man, Joe and Sally out there. I'm your hero. I'm the working class hero, like John Lennon said. And OHD is the enemy every week. She's the establishment. She's the, she's the elite. She's the liberal elite. I'm the man. I'm the figurative <laughs> man. And it pisses me off because I really do my research on all this. I go on all these radio shows throughout the week and give people advice. And here it is. You, of all people, you, Mr. Four Stellas at MSG, has beaten me. I'm so embarrassed. Okay. I'm easy to embarrass. You know that. And you really got to see that when you had me as a guest on your other podcast, Long Days. That just dropped today, actually. So that's really exciting. Everyone go listen to Long Days. It's very special because I told Giannis I was pregnant live on air and he was extremely awkward and confused. Weren't you, Yanni? I was confused. You got to go listen to it. Go on YouTube to watch it. Yeah, you got to watch it. I didn't know what was going on because like I said last week, Olivia's just, she just lied to me. So I I thought when she was handing me the baby Decker uh, onesie, I thought it was for my child. I'm a little, you better send me one in the mail. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's actually hilarious. And I am looking forward to rewatching it again. It dropped today. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, with all that in mind, Giannis and I have had a great week, but someone we know did not. Bad Beat of the Week. 
It's Ralph DeVito. He had a 20-leg college football parlay. 20-leg? My man, that's way too much. That's that's so risky. And he lost one game that went to overtime. Ouch, that sucks. BetMGM is going to make it up to him. He is the winner of our Bad Beat of the Week, of course. And he gets 100 bucks of BetMGM credit. So make sure if you are in the same position as Ralph, you submit it on Twitter at BetMGM and you can win a hundo towards your next game because that's just not fair. 20 game parlay, that's crazy. Okay, it's time to unleash and go off on one topic we feel passionately about. Let's unleash. It's time to unleash. Giannis, I gotta do it. I got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I know that last week it was the talk, but this week he's coming back, supposedly. I really, really hope so. Again, if he was vaccinated, it would have been quicker. But unvaccinated, he has this period where the soonest he can come back is November 13th, the day before they play the Seahawks on the 14th. Roll up your sleeves. Let's do it. He cost the Packers a win in Kansas City, first and foremost. (laughs) And you know, I I really, I don't care if he's vaccinated or unvaccinated. I don't. I know that even is controversial to say because you turn on your TV and everyone's telling you the responsible thing is to get vaccinated. I don't care. I think it's your body, your choice. That's literally what Aaron Rodgers thinks too. He listed all these reasons of why he doesn't want to, all this stuff. But what I'm mad about as a Packer fan is he put the Packers in a very awkward position. And you know, there have been a lot of guys around the NFL and the NBA who have taken a lot of heat, even lost jobs for stating that they were unvaccinated. And Aaron Rodgers is sheepish. He was deceitful. And I just don't think it was a good look. No one is mandating he had to take the shot. Just for anyone who's unclear, the NFL doesn't make people get the vaccine. They just make life really hard on you if you don't. But Aaron Rodgers is not above the rules. And he acts like he is. He said he followed all the protocols, but he did not. He was in the press conferences. You know, I think we all can agree there are some silly COVID-related rules. For one, when you're at a restaurant and you get up to go to the bathroom and you put your mask back on and then sit back down. I hate that one. There are rules that we think are silly, but you do them. And one of the rules in the NFL was if you're unvaccinated, you can't give your press conferences in person without a mask, the whole thing. So now the NFL is starting an investigation. They're going to have to watch all this footage to see if he's wearing his mask around the building. There are fines that are impending up to $50,000, which for Aaron Rodgers is like dropping a dollar bill, maybe even a quarter. So that's no big deal. And what I'm mad about again is that the Packers are in a very awkward position because he's claiming they knew, they knew it. And of course they did because they had to test him every day. And it just makes me mad. I think it's a really bad look as a Packer fan. I love him in a Packer jersey. I love him as QB1, but I don't love the way he handled this. I think it just highlighted his deficiencies that we hear about all the time of his character. He's paranoid. He's defensive. He cuts off relationships left and right. And this was not a good look, but boy, did it give us a lot of fodder. What do you think, Giannis? Joe Rogan's your man, and he got put right in the middle of this. Yeah, and now it's time for my Unleashed, which I'm going to take the other side here. I got to stay loyal to my buddy, Joe Rogan. He always ends up getting thrown into this stuff. And here it is again. Aaron Rodgers quoting him saying, you know, I got to listen to my buddy Joe Rogan. First of all, you're dropping dime on your buddy. Don't be telling the press about who you talk to and what he said. Another thing is Joe Rogan, you know, I've done comedy with him, obviously. He's become a friend of mine. And the first joke he says when he goes up on stage is, 
Don't take your vaccine advice from me. I'm a fucking comedian and cage fight commentator. So that's the first joke he opens with in his new right. hour now. So I just want to point the camera back on the media and go, leave Joe Rogan alone. He's not a doctor. It's not his fault that people are so fucking stupid that they went out and they started buying horse tranquilizer or horse paint uh, or horse paint uh, paste. I'm sorry, horse paste. <laughs> from veterinarian stores. It's not his fault that our education system in America is a failure and they're looking at Joe Rogan for advice on what to do during a pandemic. And Aaron Rodgers, why the hell are you bringing Joe Rogan into this mess? Okay? It's your mess. All right? And I blame the media. I'm turning the camera back on the media. He said he was inoculated and you had no follow-up questions. I would have been like, Aaron, what do you mean you were inoculated? Which vaccine did you get? They didn't ask him any questions. He said immunized, which is even more confusing. And that's why I said deceitful. It was, he lied. He lied. And he said later on the Pat McAfee show that if someone had asked a follow-up, which again is a great lesson for young journalists out there listening, because I'm sure we have a lot of, you know, Medill students on here listening, is that you have to ask a follow-up question that is so obvious that, Aaron, I'm so sorry, do you mean that you are vaccinated with one of the three approved vaccines recommended by the CDC? I guess that's the follow-up question. Absolutely, that's the follow-up question. So what are we angry at Aaron Rodgers? Because he was smart and he he left it in their court and they didn't have any follow-up questions. You know what? If it would have been something that happened on the field, they would have had a hundred follow-up questions. So it's like, do your job, follow up, say, hey, which one did you get? You know, there's a lot of questions we could ask. <laughs> well, speaking of asking a lot of questions, that is exactly what we are going to do next with our guest. He is going to be incredible. I want to ask him about the OBJ controversy. I want to ask him what the hell's going on with the Chiefs because he is a former Chief. Dwayne Bow is here. He was a nightmare for defensive backs. He's a former Pro Bowl wide receiver, third all-time leader in receptions in Kansas City, my hometown. Let's get to Dwayne Bow. Let's now welcome in Dwayne Bow somewhere over the Dwayne Bow, which is one of the best fantasy names of all time. It's too good. Dwayne, how are you? I'm blessed. How are you doing? We are doing great. We're so glad you're on today. I told you before we recorded, I'm born and raised Kansas City. I'm a Chiefs fan. I've got to ask, coming out of Miami and then Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you get to Kansas City, which I think is a warm, beautiful place. You probably thought that was kind of chilly, kind of northern, huh? Yes, it was freezing. <laughs> it was a culture shock coming from Miami to Louisiana. It got hotter. And I was like, okay, it can't get any hotter in Louisiana. Then when I got to Kansas City this summer in Wisconsin, it was like 105 degrees. And we was like, oh, God, I thought Wisconsin was cold. It was like, everything was a culture shock. But once I got Simulated into it, it was pretty breezy. What about the food in Kansas City? Is there a restaurant or a place that you really liked? I've got to know. Oh, yeah, definitely Gates. Um, yeah. It was this one place by River Falls. No, no, no. By St. Joe. What was it yeah. called? Boudreaux's? Oh, my God. It was a Cajun restaurant. And the Cajun guy, in Kansas City, out of coming LSU. Serious? Yes. And it was in St. Joe. So it was by training camp. So I used to go there. And I met the guy actually in LSU, and it was just crazy how we bonded. And like once we started doing camp in St. Joe, I took the whole team over there, let them eat and just taste what I was tasting my whole time in LSU. And that year, we actually had a good record 
from going. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty hot. <laughs> I spent a year in Miami. I had a show down there for a little bit. What do you think it is about Miami that makes it such a football culture where so many beasts come out of? I think it's just the struggle when you really think about, you know, Miami and, and, the, and the parts of Miami that's bad. And that's where a lot of guys that actually play in the NFL now came from those suburb areas where they had to, you know, survive. And I think playing on survival makes guys even better because that's all they know is how to how to get out of a situation. So when you get to the NFL, you're always going to be faced with adversity. And I think coming from, you know, those areas that you had to fight once you get to the NFL, you're used to fighting those adversities and being able to maneuver through and you know, play 10 years like I did. So, so when you leave Miami and, and the tough upbringing that you're describing and you go play for Nick Saban, what is that like? I assume that's quite the change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. He definitely was a hard coach and he definitely instilled in us quality roles that we had to be men at, at young ages. And, you know, shout out Coach Saban, but he definitely prepared a lot of guys that that's doing actually really well in the NFL now going through his program and the mind games he puts you through at the age of 19, 20 that was going to prepare you for the mind games that you're going to go through when you're 25 and 26. So Wait, wait, what do you mean mind games? I got to know, mind games? Mind games, of course. It's, it's, it's 10% <laughs> talent and 90% you know, mind games. I just want to yeah. see if you can you know, play at a high level during adversity, that could mean you could be having uh, having a baby on the way. You can't miss practice to see your baby. You have to, you know, they're paying you millions of dollars to work. And then once you realize that's a job and you can't just call off sick, <laughs> making millions of dollars, I think that's when you understand the game is really a business and you approach it that way. Yeah, you see, uh, my co-host Olivia is expecting a baby. You see, we're not paying, we're not getting paid millions of dollars, but you cannot call in sick, Olivia. You got to bring it every night. <laughs> I'm the Nick Saban of podcasts. I won't tolerate any slacking. Okay, noted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a question for you that I've always wondered about. You were super fast, but there's a lot of guys who are super fast at that level, especially when you get you go from D1 to the pros. What separates a guy when it's just you and a corner and you guys are battling? How do you get that space? Is that a mental game? Is that a little push? Is it a little dirty? Like, how do you get that separation on a guy who's just as fast as you? What's that game like? It's definitely a mental game, like you said. I think once you figure out a guy's, how he moves, how he opens up, it's just all like back then we didn't have social media to really intimidate a guy prior to playing. We just had to watch him and we meet him when we meet him. But it's like now guys can really study and see, okay, if one guy trash talked him and got him out of his game, let me try that next week. And you just got to use those small little fine details. That's that's what I'm saying about mind games. It's not all about the bigger guy wins because the guy can be faster, smarter, and he can lock you down. So it's just a little mind game, like you said, and the small attention to detail that'll prepare you for the next level. And that's so saving the coach Miles did an awesome, excellent job at Oh, yeah. And you kind of set this precedent at LSU of great wide receivers. You're kind of an OG, actually, when we look at that crop of talent. Rookie of the year, Justin Jefferson. Potential rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. He's lighting it up this year. What's it like watching these young guys flourish and following your footsteps? It's amazing knowing that I had, you know, 10% of my input helping those guys going back every year, talking to them and letting them see what it is to, you know, see a guy that's been in the NFL that played at a high level. 
Yeah. You know, that, that set these records in. For these guys to break them, that's just let you know that, that guys are getting better and better because they're paying attention to the small detail. Like I said, we didn't have luxury of watching film in 4K. <laughs> so you really couldn't really tell just all the experience, go out there and do your thing. But it's amazing watching those guys go out there and set the standard high for guys that play the LSU. When you were drafted, you got drafted by the Chiefs. Quarterbacks that were split in time. You had a second stringer and a third stringer. Offensive line was was a tragedy at that time. So that first year was a little tough for you. How much of a player's success is dictated by the situation they're drafted in the offense that's conducive to their talents? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 90%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it all depends on, like you said, it's the system and the quarterback. It surrounds the quarterback. And, you know, unfortunately, my, my first couple of years, my quarterback situation, we had five quarterbacks one year, mm. four the next year. So, in every year, we had a different offensive coordinator. So, for me, I was always on the, on the go learning new systems, new quarterbacks, new players, which made it kind of hard. But I'm not going to say, you know, my job is to catch the ball no matter what, who's throwing it. But if you don't have any consistency at that position, of course, your stats and your personal goals, what you want to reach is not going to, be on point because it all starts with you know, the head coach, quarterback, and the system. And when you were drafted, you got to go with some Tiger teammates, Jamarcus Russell, Buster Davis. It's kind of like what we see with Jamar Chase. I was talking about earlier. He's with Tiger quarterback Joe Burrow. How valuable is that familiarity at the next level? Because we talk a lot about it with Burrow and Chase. You see it. It's like, yeah. it's hardly, you never see guys that mesh that quick that early unless they came together. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And the way they're clicking right now, the way he's just unbelievably, he's just showing, he's mind-blowing. But then you think about Justin Jefferson, he's great as well. You know, he had a whole new quarterback. So it all depends on, you know, the swagger you come in with, you know, the confidence and the time that you spend with your quarterback. It'll make it much easier. Last LSU question. I swear I'm moving on, but I'm a big college football nut. Who do you think should take the LSU job? <sighs> I think Jimbo should. He's not leaving. There's no way. Oh, my gosh. I no way. But if he don't, I was hoping something popped up any day saying, oh, Jimbo. <laughs> no. I don't know who can control those guys, man. Those guys are they're grown men over there, and they want to win now. Yeah, they do. You have to put away your pride sometimes. If you're a coach and just let guys go out there and play, if you're trying to you know, keep your job, you got to let those guys just go out there and play like they know how. It's such a good job. It's one of the best in the country, but it's a tough year because USC is also open. I mean, these coaches have a lot of options these days. I don't know. I'm, I can't wait to see who goes to LSU. I can't wait either. Yeah. Urban Meyer finally pulled out a huge upset this week. You guys saw, I mean, beat the Buffalo Bills. Everyone lost a lot of money on that game. Or if you bet on Jacksonville, you made a lot of money. How much do lap dances help coaches prepare for games? And was that thing overblown? I mean, the guy was just blowing off some steam. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can say we, we did it when we played. It's, it's, it's a form of like, you know, it's time to just relax because all week, you've been, it's Raider week. It's, they drilling it. You just need a couple hours just to, to de-stress and say, you know what, I'm a professional. You know, this young lady right here just made me feel invisible. I'm going to go out there tomorrow and I'm going to lay it all on. Like, some guys need Night before a game? <laughs> yes, sometimes. Yeah. You got to play hard and work hard. You got to treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that is rich. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of locations in Kansas City that one would go, but I'm not sure. That's not my that's not my area. You gotta go to Hooters. <laughs> Guys just wanna feel, you know, feel that good energy, you know, like, wait for somebody come give you that good energy, you can leave there, you continue that along with your day and your night and so I do well playing like that. <laughs> yeah, people too judgmental. Yeah. Speaking of uh people who get a lot of judgment. Odell Beckham Jr., I'm a big Giants fan. A lot of people have been drawing a lot of parallels between your situation in Cleveland and his situation in Cleveland. Can you speak on that a bit? I mean, like you said, like you've seen it, it's, um, you know, unfortunately it had to go that way. But, you know, like it, when I was playing, it wasn't even, it wasn't my fault. Like I said, it starts from up top. Mm-hmm. And if somebody up top don't like somebody at the bottom, you know, the people in between get caught up in it. And that's just what it was. I came there to do my job. Every time they threw me the ball, I made a play. I never was late, never missed a was always available. But like I said, it go from upstairs to downstairs. And unfortunately, you know, Beckham was in the in the crossfire. Coming to work every day, proved that he's the best. Just wanted the ball. But nowadays you can't express yourself. You have to be a team player. I was always a team player. I, I kept my mouth closed, never said nothing, came to work. Odell's just so passionate that mm-hmm. you know, he wants to win. And I was there, I wanted to win too, but I, I figured I can't beat the system by being combative. I just have to let it play out and you know, it played out the way it played. And I was sent home, and you know, that same thing happened to Odell. He's just, I mean, when you're a good player, you just want to win. It's kind of hard to fight that from the people up top. That's all. Do you think that it was more of a planned group? attack with his dad posting the video because I like to think that he's got a pretty big camp and that that was intentional. I can't tell. I yeah. don't know. I just don't. I mean, I know his father. I know his father wouldn't like intentionally do that. But like I said, everybody, he has feelings and he wants his son to be yeah. the best. And, you know, even when I was at Kansas City, I went a whole year without scoring a touchdown, but I didn't do that. You know, yeah. I just tried to score every time I got the ball. It's just, you know, it's different outlets, so a lot of people are going to stare it up the way they do, but you know, they're all about positive energy. They're all about winning, and that's that's what they got out of it. There's a lot of criticism about his best days are behind him. You know, he was great in New York, but what is he now? Where do you think would be a good fit for Odell? Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think he needs to go somewhere where, uh, where discipline is a big factor. And I think, New England. I think New England just as a as a whole from the coaching staff to the players and everybody wants to they're just missing one piece. It's just like when Randy Moss went there, they were just missing that one piece. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Jones is a, is a great quarterback. So I think that'd be a good fit for him to get him out of the publicity side and, you know, you go there, he's gonna be quiet, he's gonna do his thing, you're gonna hear about him on Sundays and Mondays, you're not gonna hear about him on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just need to go away with it's about football, about team and just let him get back to his OBJ style. I really like how you said that. Hear about him on Sundays and Mondays, not the rest of the week. Because right now there's a lot of midweek chatter, right? Do you think the refs in football now are going a little too far by, you know, not letting guys taunt, not letting guys celebrate? I think they are, but I think they're also setting the, setting the standards for, you know, the younger guys and Pop Warner and the younger guys and, you know, JV and Varsity to be, you know, it's a team sport. And it's like they preach good sportsmanship. So if they see it at a high level, guys standing in your face, taunting them, 
it's just going to trickle down to the little league and then guys are not going to have respect for each other. So I think they're calling it, you know, the way they should be calling it. It could get a little excessive sometime, but I think they're calling it how they're supposed to call it. Okay, Dwayne, the Chiefs have won the last two. Uh, that was quite a weird game against the Packers. Obviously, no Aaron Rodgers. They're trying to right the ship, but it seems really difficult. Troubles on the O-line, troubles on defense. What are you seeing from the Chiefs? I see a team that's really trying to find their identity back again. You know, you get two two losses in a row as a very, very competitive team. It kind of, mm-hmm. in the inside, like your heart, it makes you feel like, Man, do we still got it? Then once you see guys start getting hurt and unavailable to play, it just it just trickles on down. And I think right now, um, you know, they got all the chatter out the way. They got all their trying not to be perfect out the way so they can just go out there and play. They were just trying to live up to the fan expectation and you know, what it is to be a Chiefs. And sometimes you just got to go back to square one and just snap at the snap, just, you know, defeat your guy and just watch it play out at the end. I think right now they're just... So the weather's changing, so those guys finna start grinding a little harder. Plus, <laughs> for a lot of guys, like this is our best time that we play good is November on. So I feel like they're gonna go on a run right now and be unstoppable. I like what you were saying about the Chiefs trying to figure out who they are when they've been so used to winning. When it comes to Patrick Mahomes in particular, some of the throws he's making to me as a fan look like he's trying to be the great MVP Patrick Mahomes when he's kind of missing short, obvious passes. Do you think he's forcing stuff? I think he's just trying to, like you said, be great instead of just being consistently good. Mm -hmm. You know, they hold him to a high standard. Once they pay you that much money in your head, you figure you have to go back to last year, the year before, man, Patrick Mahomes. You just have to be, you know, 2021 Patrick Mahomes just make the small plays count. And I think Know, watching film from them losses, I think he finally got it that he's gonna go in and he's just gonna play like Pat. He's not gonna be the Mahomes that everybody is used to him being until he gets that run again to where he's, his confidence is that everybody on the team is catching crazy passes. It's right now they're just trying to find their identity again. I think, I think like I said, November on is where they find it. Would you have loved to play with Mahomes? And who was your Favorite quarterback of all the quarterbacks you played with? Oh my gosh! Of course, I would. I would love to play with Mahomes. I mean, who wouldn't? This guy, his numbers, the way he get the team involved. I would. I would it have been yin and yang. <laughs> my favorite quarterback. I had so many. I couldn't call it a favorite. That council me and him went to the Pro Bowl in 2010. He was a very, very good friend of mine. Alex Smith was also really, really good. Mm-hmm. Didn't have that kind of open offense to where. It can be the Pat Mahomes. You know, we was trying to find ourselves. We had different coaches every year, so we were steady trying to find ourselves within the organization. So that's kind of hard to let the guys go out there and be, you know, who you drafted them to be. You have to start internal, then go out to external, you know? Would it be hard for you when you were in the huddle, though, if you were playing with Mahomes and he started talking, would it be hard not to laugh because his voice sounds like Yoda? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's nice cold. Oh my God! Of course, I'd have been making jokes and making them laugh. I mean, hearing it, after hearing his voice, you know, it's just it would have sunk in. But he definitely sounds just like you. <laughs> what do you think about his brother? His brother Jackson Mahomes is he a distraction or what's going on? What's your opinion on Jackie? Little um, brother Jackie. That's like my brother that's in here when I was at Kansas City. He was on. <laughs> 
he was a social media guy. Everybody was like, you seen what your brother posted? You seen what your brother did? And I'm oh. like, I'm here with it. But, you know, my brother has his own life. And I think it's just, I think Pat just let him be him. It's entertaining, you know. But Pat got a, such a strong personality that mm-hmm. that's not going to distract them. But for us and the fans, it looks like a distraction, but it's really not. Just let him live and let him, you know, keep that kind of energy over there, which is good energy. But he's just, like I said, he knows how to get in your head. And, and yeah. I think <laughs> that was a great job, man. That's funny that you say your brother was kind of similar at the time. I mean, TikTok wasn't even around then, but now it's like this whole world. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Jackson is a, he gets a lot of headlines. You know, the Chiefs have Oakland this weekend. You know, that's a huge rivalry. The Raiders have a lot going on. What can you imagine that locker room is like with the departure of John Gruden, all the controversy around that, and now Henry Ruggs? Man, it's just a stale environment right now. So also from when AB left, it just was like, like I said, it's a trickle down effect and it starts up top. So if, if that happened when AB was there, that means all of this been going on while he was mm-hmm. there. Nobody knew it. And everybody get on AB and say, oh, he's a bad guy. He did this, he did that. When it really came from the top, and he's just playing his position and wanting to win, wanting to be the best player on the team. And sometimes being boisterous and being the best player on the team, when it's up top, kind of don't end that well. And it's like right now, it's just one thing after another. And Henry Rowe, I mean, that locker room, I know they're devastated. But like I said, they're a good team. They're going to come together and they're going to play hard. They play Kansas City hard every year. But I know inside that locker room, it's, it's got to be stale for that guy. Henry was like me. He came with the music. He came with the swag. He had everybody dancing. It's just mm-hmm. lose that, kind of lose the mojo and guys go back into their shell and try not to make mistakes. And it just, it's just a trickle-down effect that you don't want as a, as a player in the organization. You know, it's interesting because from a fan perspective, you only see the players on the field. You never get this perspective from a player that, uh, you know, the things from up top weren't right. Uh, the chemistry wasn't right. Decisions weren't being made. 2010, you obviously showed what you can do. And so that begs a lot of questions like, hmm, was was this guy just in a, a lot of the bad situations throughout the rest of his career? What clicked for you in 2010 that made it all go right for you to lead the league in receptions and be the all pro that you were? Like I said, from up top, those coaches, the OC, they wanted me to to tune in and they didn't want me to come to Miami for the offseason. So I took it my first time not coming back home. Wow. Family, I went and trained with Larry Fitzgerald. Wow. It was the best thing I ever did. I stayed out of trouble. I stayed working out. I was in the best shape of my life. I just had a little boy. So it was kind of mm-hmm. hard being able to see my son. And I'm over here training with a whole bunch of guys I don't know. But the outcome paid off. I led the league that year. Very grateful for the relationship I built with all the guys from over there by Larry and you know, the relationship I got with the coaching staff for believing that I can be this good of a player. And I just took that every year. And I, after that year, and I just rolled with it. <laughs> you, know, you got to separate yourself and, like, you have to really leave everything alone. I'm talking about your family, your friends. When you want to be that great, you have to cut off a lot of people. And a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. You have to really tune everybody out. Wife, girlfriend. Mama, you have to tune him out. When the coaches say tune him out, and he had like 30 players do that, and that's how, you know, that year we was amazing. We all yeah. tuned out and just 
But it's very hard to do if you don't come from an SEC school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, SEC, SEC. Bring <laughs> it out. And that's like, like I said, that's the, the attribute that saving, you know, instilled in us is tuning things out and just no matter what the score is, just keep, you know, foot on the gas. And that's what I did. That's fascinating. That is interesting. Okay, I've got to ask, because I have been a sideline reporter for ESPN the last five years, and I once got chewed out by Nick Saban on live TV during a halftime interview. And I know I said I was done talking about LSU, but I'm not done talking about Nick Saban. Do you have a really good Nick Saban story that still kind of makes you laugh? Oh, my God. Let me remember one. It was my freshman year. He had this program called Fourth Quarter Program. Mm -hmm. It was a strength conditioning program that wake you up. 4.30 4.30 in the morning, get on the bus, travel to the inside of the stadium. He, he made us run the whole entire stadium. Every seat in the stadium we had to touch, right? <laughs> oh, my God. We had to run like 2,600-yard dashes. Oh. And it was a circuit, circuit program that made every time we did it, every week, these two guys quit every week. Like, main guys. Like, even Marcus Spears almost walked out. He said, <laughs> Oh, Grandma, I tell you, coming home. I was like, I had asthma too. I was like, oh. I can't breathe. He was like, call your grandma and tell you, coming home. I was like, well, I can't wow. do it. <laughs> and I think he instilled in me like toughness that, that was unbelievable. Damn. I, like, my mind was gone. Like, I was, my spirit was just there. He was just like, you see what I did for you? I told you, if I can't break you, you're going to be, you're going to break all kind of records. And I, I didn't let him break me. And he still to this day, like, when he had the big games, I'd call and check on him. And he, he, he always bring up this thing. You want to you call grandma? <laughs> you still talk with Saban? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I have something I th- think you, I could have you text him for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's two words. It's really short. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> does, he, does, Saban ever, does he have a lighter side? Does he like to, you know, go out and get lapped in? I mean, what does the guy do for fun? That's, that's the only fun he get out of this. Mm-hmm. The media, his, his players talk so well and, and know how to answer questions, even when they try to revert them onto talking about, you know, different players. I think his mind frame, how he set players up to be professionals is the only fun that he get out of it. Wow. I have more of a fun question that I've always been curious about. You know, when you're a professional athlete, you make it to that level. Everybody sees everybody's contracts. Everybody knows what everybody's making. When you guys go out to dinner, uh, do you make the guy who's got the biggest contract pay for? How does how do you split that check? No, you actually make the guy with the smallest contract pay. <laughs> yeah, since he want to hang with the big boys, you take on the big bill. That's how, <laughs> that's how, that's how, yeah, that's how we like my rookie year. Oh my god, it took me to steakhouse. It was Fogo the Child when they first opened up. Oh, on the plaza. Yeah, the bill was like 4000 <laughs> And I was like, I know I went first round, but, you know, I'm a rookie, man. More than Louis thirteen shots. <laughs> Remind me to never go to dinner with you, yeah, because I don't want to pick up that check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my problem. So, Dwayne, you live in Miami. Were you at the game when the Chiefs won it two years ago? No, I actually had held a Super Bowl party at my house. Oh, sweet. <laughs> That's much better. It was so bad. We had a big, big party, big party, and we watched it on the big screen. I had like 100 people here, a lot of old players. I just wanted to be like in my own home yeah. and, and enjoy it. But I, I've been to the the last one. Yeah. 
well, then don't go anymore because then you were bad luck. <laughs> you were at the yeah, last one. now you know. <laughs> well, this is really awesome. We laughed a lot with you. I know exactly where you stand in Kansas City. I'm going to think of you every time I go to Fogo to Chow. Thank you so much for your time, Dwayne. Thank you for having me. crazy weekend last weekend was in the NFL. Oh my gosh, so many upsets, so many weird low-scoring games. Let's bring in Peter Andrew to hash it all out and how it affected the sports book. You know, Peter, you're on the side of the fan. I know it. Even though you work for BetMGM, we all work for BetMGM, but how did the sports book fare with the Jaguars upset, with the Falcons upset? Tell me some of that. So just to be clear, when when the public loses, so does Pete, because I'm on the same things as everyone else. So two weeks ago, I said it was our best week ever for the sports book. That got Trump this week. You mentioned a couple of them. The Jags was the big one. You look at the Rams losing to the Titans Sunday night football, Falcons, Broncos upsetting Dallas. Yeah. There was a lot of games. So every parlay just sent to mush, uh, you know, all those straight bets. Something I found really interesting. You know, there wasn't a touchdown in the Jags game. A big bet for us is betting the first touchdown score. If you took no touchdown in the game, paid off 120 to one. Wow. Oh my God. So wow. if you were one of those people, you know, that was almost like on the craps table, if you're rooting for the don't come line, you're that same type of person that roots for no touchdown, the loser, you paid out pretty nicely. So crazy week. I mean, you looked at every different slot, just incredible for us, but, but a tough weekend for the sports betters. Woo! It was, uh, yeah, that's what makes putting a little juice on the game so fun is because who could have predicted those outcomes, especially the no touchdown? I mean, what the hell happened there? Yeah, crazy. So uh, we'll be pay- we'll be paying it forward a little bit back to the customers this week. We got a lot of cool things lined up. We have a brand new free to play game with Barry Sanders that we've launched. You have an ah. opportunity to win a free prize. So so we're trying to get people just uh you know, after a tough week back and, and hopefully went in this weekend. So a lot of good things to come. Obviously, college basketball starts uh, today when we're recording. So it's going to be a fun week. Oh, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Is BetMGM going to be taking up, uh, creating a line on whether the Deckers are going to have a boy or a girl? What's the deal? Yeah, currently uh, we've got minus 125 girl. <laughs> but uh, there's some sharp money coming mining Giannis's mm. way towards boy because we all know it's going to be Paniotis Yanis Decker as the potential. Yeah. Name. Oh, it's funny you see that's a harbinger of things to come, my friend. Oh my God. We should do some <laughs> kind of vote or poll online. I'm I'm just gonna tell y'all right now, I know it in my gut. It's a boy. I know it. You feel it, huh? Uh-huh. I really do. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But since this is a gambling show, we don't take <laughs> any missed opportunities. So I, I would put money on boy. I'm going twins. I'm going twins. Why not? Why not? Double or nothing? Double or nothing, baby. We'll have to cover it in another session, how we're doing the gender reveal. I say we because we're all family now. We're all family, yeah. 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 Well, we're doing it outside of your apartment in Jersey City. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. That's where Giannis and I like to really hang out these days. Okay, let's get to this weekend slate. You always pick a couple games for us. We know last weekend, Giannis, 
he somehow beats me again. And you know why I'm especially mad this week is because as some of our faithful listeners will remember, he didn't even know who was playing one of the games. He said the Bears. We weren't even talking about the Bears. Makes me so mad. I can't believe he keeps beating me. Yeah, it was almost like my wife picked him. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, like my unborn baby picked him. Yeah, my wife was like, take the Yankees. Uh, okay, so Pete, line him up this week. What do we got? I got to win. My ego is crushed. Punishment picks. Yeah, so I, I went back and forth on the first game I wanted to choose, but I went with Saints, Titans. Uh, Titans had a really impressive win Sunday night. They're three-point favorites at home. Adrian Peterson is back, scored a late touchdown. Ryan yeah. Tannehill looked really good. Uh, Saints trending somewhat downward because of obviously losing Jameis Winston. What do you guys like there? Giannis, you go. I mean, I told you last week. I told you last week not to sleep on Adrian Peterson. Guy's a stud. Doesn't matter how long he's been sitting out. Yeah. I'm taking the Titans again. What's the Dillas? I'm also taking the Titans. I like that one. I was impressed. I think it was his 125th career touchdown. And it's great that he's getting another second chance. I like it. Second one, Seahawks plus four against Green Bay. Green Bay is at home. I think you're getting Russell Wilson back probably in two weeks. So you're still in the Geno Smith era. They look really good with him. And Green Bay, obviously, uh, it was a tough week last week without without having Rodgers, but you should hopefully get him back this week. What do you guys like there? Okay, I'm going to go first on this one. <laughs> go ahead, I, go ahead. I think we're also getting left tackle David Bakhtiari back. Aaron should be back. The earliest he could be cleared to return from COVID is the 13th, the day before. Obviously, it's at home, so that's great. He doesn't need to travel to Seattle, and he doesn't need to practice. He's Aaron Rodgers. I like the Packers here a lot. Okay, um, before I make this decision, I got to check in with my friend Joe Rogan. Uh, (laughs) I got to check in with Aaron Rodgers' doctor and see what the prognosis is. I don't know how long it takes for the ivermectin, uh, you know, to kick in and the zinc and the vitamin D. So uh, I'm going to go. Now I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going to go with the Packers because, yeah, I believe in Iver. I believe in the magic of ivermectin. Something to be said about his quote, no matter what you follow politics wise, saying left's going to hate me, right's going to love me, won't go on Fox News, won't go on CNN. I, that made him maybe my favorite player in the NFL by that line. That was a yeah. great line. Yes, it uh, was. So good. Uh, last game, Monday Night Football, Rams minus four on the road in San Francisco. So a couple things to note here. Matthew Stafford. Hurt his ankle last, I think, last drive of the game. So something to just watch out for. He should be okay. And then on the San Francisco side, this could be the end of Jimmy G. They are kind of working themselves out of any sort of playoff picture. So maybe the Trey Lancer after this game. So they've obviously got something to play for. What do you like here? Go ahead, Olivia. I like the Rams. I think Stafford will be fine. I think they're still one of the best teams in the league and come back even stronger after a loss. Yeah, well, you know, here we go. We disagree. So, again, it hinges on one game. Um, Listen, I am ready for the Trey Lance era. Uh, Jimmy G, I think it's time for you to hit hit the runway a little bit. Show that pretty face, baby. So, this is going to be the game. Trey Lance comes in, second half. They win big. Mark my words. I'm going with the 49ers, San Francisco. San Francisco. Doesn't look like we're going to have that bet where I'm going to have you wearing a Niners jersey at the end of the year, by the way, Olivia. So uh, not not looking pretty there. (laughs) 
I'm okay with that. Well, Peter, thanks so much. This will be good. I feel pretty good about my picks. I think this is my week to come back. Giannis always somehow sneaks in there. It really pisses me off, which means right now I have to read the outro that he wrote for me. And he said it's particularly cringy this week and I'm going to be really mad at him. So let's just get this over with. Yeah, I just want to... I just want to say to the Decker and the Harlan family, it's all in good fun. And everyone put everyone put your football helmet on. This one's going to get dangerous. Okay, here we go. As everyone knows, I made a big announcement last week as being full-time preggers. I'm not sure how you are half-time preggers, by the way. First, I want to congratulate my husband, Sam Decker, for being such a good shooter from three. You fucking know. The kid connects. <laughs> Anyway, Sam and I have talked long and hard and have decided that since we are such big fans of Yanni's comedy, go to YanisPapasComedy.com for upcoming tour dates and listen to a show long days on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Since Yanni means so much to the Deckers, we are going to make the kid Yanis. Not name. We're going to make the kid Yanis. Even if it's yes. a girl. Okay. <laughs> so that was a typo. You're going to Even if him. it's a girl, like my co-host, Yanni's spirit animal. It's a typo. Go, Yanni Decker, go. This is OHD for Unleashed saying, yes, so? <laughs> Yasu. Yasu. And also, don't forget JFK Jr. is coming back to run with Trump in 2024 because QAnon is truth. Was the deal is... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were such a big fan of QAnon, OHD. I can't wait for Yanni Decker. He's coming, baby. You, that was your best one yet, I gotta say. Your best one yet, but I'm going to get you next week. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Make sure you subscribe and find us on Twitter and Instagram at BedMGM to get all of our highlights. I really hope that one doesn't make it. Have a good week, everyone. Keep shooting from three, Sam Decker. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.